Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Can we stand? Thank you for that sweet video. Pastor Katie, Pastor Magno, thank you for the funny part of the video. (laughs) And Mark, another one of our spiritual sons who been a big part of our lives for 15 years now actually so we're we're so blessed it's incredible to pastor this incredible church together with my husband so if you're a first-time guest we want to welcome you today on this Mother's Day and we pray that you'll be so blessed my name is Miriam uh, my husband and I've been leading this church now for over 15 years I don't I always lose count I'm that person who doesn't remember um, the the years but um, we're gonna just pray in a moment but before we do that we're gonna open up with the main passage for today and I believe more than anything um, that this moment will mark some of you in a profound way I pray that it's not just another sermon but I pray that something will literally change in your lives And I pray that the Holy Spirit will meet some of you in a profound way and that even before I even say anything, that you would already start experiencing some healing, some power perhaps where there's been a lack. And that's just been my prayer for you the last couple of weeks, but especially this week as I've been preparing for this message that something would unlock in your life and something new would pour out on your life and you will leave this place different. I know we say that every week that We pray you will leave different than how you came in, but we mean that genuinely, that there would be a shift, a change, a miracle unlocked in your life today. In Jesus' name, do you believe that? It's not just a cliche as pastors say and hope for. It's the truth of what we believe is God's word, that anytime it's spoken, anytime it's delivered, it is with his power and his presence. And it is his power and his presence that brings change. So Father, I thank you for your people that are here right now. Father, would you pour out your spirit? Would you fill your people right now with your spirit? Like an upper room experience. God, would you just come and visit your people? Would you pour out your presence, your power, your healing, your freedom? Even now as we pray, Lord, before we even utter another word, we welcome you, Spirit of God, and I pray that you would come and help us. Help us as we lead our families. Help us as we lead in business. Help us as we lead in ministry. Just help us. And Father, I pray that you would help me help your people today. I bless every single mom in here. And and Lord, I'm also mindful of those. Those moms perhaps in here who have experienced loss, who maybe are grieving this Mother's Day. Lord, perhaps for the moms who have been waiting for a miracle from you and Perhaps for the moms whose kids are far from them or are going through heartbreaking situations. We thank you, God, that your grace is sufficient. I pray right now that you would meet every person here in the different parts 
that might be grieving, the different parts that might feel helpless, the different parts that might feel hopeless. And I pray right now by the power of your spirit, Lord, that you would do something now in their hearts. Lord, breathe, Lord God, right now, your, your strength, your joy, your peace, so that it would overflow from them in Jesus' name. We thank you that your presence is powerful, your presence is beautiful, and we thank you that we have your presence and your spirit with us in Jesus' name. Before you sit down, we're going to read Psalm chapter 78, verses 4 through 8. It'll be on the screen behind me. You can follow along. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. I'm sure we have some uncles or aunts like that, <laughs> refusing to give their hearts to God. You can have a seat. So last week, it's funny, I had a different message that I thought I was going to speak a couple of weeks ago. And, and when we started the Holy Spirit series last Sunday, if you're a first-time guest, we, we often do our teaching in series. It could be anywhere from four to eight weeks long. And, and my husband started an incredible series last week on the Holy Spirit. And as he was preaching, I just felt like, you know what? As parents, I don't know if you're like me, but as parents, I need a lot of help. Any parent in here need help? <laughs> like, help me, God. <laughs> Please help me. And so I was thinking as we were praying and preparing for today's message, I'm like, man, the most incredible help that we can have, the greatest helper that has been sent to us is the Holy Spirit. And so I felt like I needed to continue, not pause the series on Holy Spirit, but to continue the series on the Holy Spirit because as parents, as mothers, as fathers, as business leaders, regardless of whatever role you currently have in life, we need the helper, the Holy Spirit. But today's message in particular is going to be called the Spirit-Filled Family or the Spirit-Led Family. We're going to be talking about how to be Spirit-Filled and how to be Spirit-Led. And we need that in our lives, whether we're, again, in the school or in the workplace or in our families. But we are living in such a time as this where it is necessary. We can't afford to not have and not raise Spirit-Filled Families. Last week, Anthony was talking about how Jesus himself, he was born of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was filled by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and his ministry came under the power of the Spirit. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit? Being led by the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural discernment to navigate 
life. And we're going to talk a little bit about discernment in just a moment. I don't know about you, but I need crazy wisdom. And that's what discernment is. I need crazy wisdom to be able to lead my children, to be able to lead in a church where culture is going so opposite of what we know the truth of God's word to be. And we don't need just to be smart. We need crazy wisdom. We need supernatural discernment, which is why it's a necessary to be spirit-filled and be spirit-led. We can't afford to try to live this Christian life as just a nice guy or a nice girl. We need power. We don't need nice Christian people. We need powerful people who walk in power and are anointed under the Spirit of God to do what He's called us to do. We need discernment in our relationships through situations. We need the Spirit to fill us and to lead us, even when it comes to step out in faith. There are things that may never happen unless you feel the promptings and the leading of the Holy Spirit for you to do. There are moments, there are conversations, there are miracles that are to be had, had the moment you step out because of the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we are a people, that we cultivate the kind of spirit-filled lives, that we allow the Spirit of God to interrupt us in the busyness of our life. While we're emailing away, while we're texting away, while we're doing our spreadsheets, while we're cleaning our houses, would we allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt us so that He can warn us of something? So that He can prompt us about something? So He could tell us to step out in business about something? Man, I want to be the kind of person that if there is a, an idea that will change the world, if there is a message, I want to be keen to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And may we be the kind of people that are ears are inclined to the spirit of God we need to be spirit filled we need to be spirit led we cannot afford to just be a nice Christian guy or a nice Christian woman no we need power to flow out of our lives because people need healing because people need a prophetic word because people need hope because people need provision and we are the channel we are the vessels that God often use but sometimes we don't even know that he's knocking on our door to be used because we're too busy. It is so necessary to have households of faith, to have spirit-led families, spirit-filled families, because our homes need to be a refuge from the confusion, the turmoil, and the pressure of the world. Our home needs to be a safe place. So many people don't even want to go home because as soon as they walk in, it's like, rah! <laughs> And we need to cultivate places of peace. Places where the presence and the spirit of God can just move in our homes. We need households where children can and should experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember with all three of my pregnancies, the Holy Spirit led me to pray that my children would experience and encounter the Holy Spirit at a young age. Why do we think it's only when they're adults? No, God wants to pour out his spirit on the young and the old, on sons and daughters. I went to a conference not too long ago and all the kids ministry they were having a kids conference as well and all the kids and the leaders were wearing t-shirts that said there is no junior holy spirit 
The Holy Spirit is the same for all ages and God can move through children as well. So we have to stop treating them like they're just going to babysitting and kids alive. No, they're being prayed for. They're being taught the word of God. They're being taught how to flow in the spirit, receive the spirit of God. Man, can I just chant every night when I put my kids to sleep, especially my little youngest, because she makes me stay there for like forever. Mommy, one more minute. I'm like, all right. I'm tired. I won't watch my show now. You know, it's my time. It's mommy time. Leave me alone. Anyway, but she'll like keep me up there. And I always pray, Lord, that she would experience and encounter the Holy Spirit even now. Oh, Lord, that she would encounter you in a great way. Because here's the truth. As they get older, the world will be calling their name. As they get older, if they don't have a touch, if they don't experience the Lord at a young age, it will be hard sometimes to navigate the temptations that come knocking on their door later. I remember my son, I wasn't going to say it was my son, but it was my son. I only have one, so it is what it is. I try not to use their names, but you know it is. Sorry, kids. Whatever. Love me. Forgive me. Anyway, we were at a conference in California, and they also had a, ch- a children's conference happening at the same time. They flew in this pastor, and they were praying for all the children, and the pastor later came to speak to us and in the pastor's lounge. He's like, your son is so-and-so, right? I was like, yes. Isn't he handsome? And they're like, he's like, well, the moment I laid my hands on him to start praying, he just started sobbing, like uncontrollably. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I was so excited. And so me and Anthony, as we got in the car, we were trying to be really cool about it. Like, so, uh, you know, hey Ben, how was kids? And he was like, and he like as serious as an adult would sound. He looked at us and he goes, I can't even explain it to you but it's as if something came over me, something came upon me and I couldn't stop crying. I had been praying for that moment since I was pregnant that my son would experience, that he would taste and see the goodness, the supernatural power, the overwhelming presence of Jesus in his life and he will never forget that moment. I'm still praying that for my other two kids and I know that they will experience the power, the presence and the fire of the Holy Spirit. And you can believe that for your children too and not just wait for a youth pastor to lay hands on them and believe, although we need our youth pastors and we need our youth leaders. And I pray that you as a church, as families are encouraging and supporting the youth ministry of this house and the kids ministry of this house. They're in the trenches for your children. They are praying and fasting for your kids. And I pray that you come alongside of them and believe for God to do something powerful in the kids and youth. We need this generation to be awakened to God's purpose. We need it. If you're a young person in here, I want to tell you right now, the spirit-filled life is not a boring life. It is a supernatural life. It is not about being a good kid. It is about being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life set apart and marked by power and purpose. The spirit-filled and the spirit-led life is extraordinary. It's one of adventure and struggle. It's one of the miraculous and uncommon wisdom. Too many young people think that being a Christian is just about not lying and not swearing and not sleeping with someone before they get married. Man, if that's what we're teaching our kids, that our faith is just about not swearing, it's not just about whatever, being nice to authority, that's just the fruit of the overflow. They need to encounter God. They need to experience God. But parents, it's got to come from us too. We need to create cultures in our home where worship is playing, where the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is welcome because he's a gentleman. 
He needs to be welcome into those places. How are we filled by the Spirit? We're filled by the Spirit by asking Him to fill us. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes we're there, we're like, please, are you here? Can you, can you fill me? Please, I mean, hello, I, nothing, I don't feel goosebumps yet. Like, no, 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 no. We overcomplicate it. We try, we, we limit God to just goosebumps. That's not how it works. You can have some. They definitely happen sometimes. But when you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is God's delight to fill you. The same way on Acts 2, when, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the early church, they were not doing anything crazy out of the ordinary. They were gathering to pray and worship, and whoosh, the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing wind. And they were filled. Every morning, this morning, again, I get up, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Holy Spirit, would you fill me? If there's anything inside of me that doesn't bring glory to you, remove it, but help. Fill me, God. Fill me with your presence. We get filled by the Spirit. Also, when our prayer team is here at the front, every single Sunday, we have our team here ready to pray for you so much throughout Scripture. The filling of the Holy Spirit came with the laying on of hands. The Bible says, pray for the sick, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. We get filled by the Spirit by consuming the Word of God. Not in a ritual way. Yes, we start reading the Word out of discipline, right? We read the Word. The Word transforms us. It purifies us. It shapes us. But we have to read the Word also to encounter Him. You see, anytime we open the Word of God, we are having a meeting with God. God wants to speak to you. God wants to pour out his spirit in you. God wants to change your life. He wants to take you from ordinary to extraordinary. We have too many ordinary things and we need some major things to change in the world. And it's going to come from spirit-filled, empowered Christians who are unapologetically living the spirit-filled and spirit-led life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is being so filled with who he is that he flows out of us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is being so filled with who God is, his goodness, his mercy, all that he is so full of him that he flows out of us. Matthew chapter 12 talks about what the mouth speaks of is what the heart is filled with. You can always tell what a person's full of based on how they talk. Oh, they're full of it. You've heard that before. Lots of people are full of it. <laughs> but I hope they're full of goodness and peace and love. And, and it takes me to my next thought, actually. How do we know we're filled with the Spirit? What's the, what's, the, what's the barometer? What is the measuring stick to know that we're filled? Actually, we find it in Galatians chapter 5. We know we're filled with the Spirit that from when the good stuff comes out of us, when the fruits of the Spirit flow out of us. And there's nine fruits that the Bible talks to us about. I'm not sure if it's going to be, oh, you're the best, Jonathan. He just added this. Thank you so much for putting that up there for us. But these are the nine fruits. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, patience, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness. And I guarantee someone in here is looking at this list and thinking, that's Mr. Nice Guy list. That's a good Christian list. I need you guys to feel the weight of what these fruits are and what the opposite of these fruits are. Because the opposite of not producing these fruits are very heavy and devastating. The opposite of love is hate. So if you're telling me the opposite of love is hate, to be loving is very powerful. The opposite of peace 
It's turmoil, strife, and chaos. So if you're telling me to be peaceful, it's just being nice, but look at what the opposite means. It's devastating. It's disheartening. The opposite of patience is agitation, it's violence, it's being irritated. The opposite of joy is despair and sadness. Opposite of gentleness is aggression and harshness. The opposite of self-control is being out of control. What's nice about this? This to me doesn't look like just like nice of good characteristics. Oh, good Christian guy, he's peaceful and he is kind and blah, blah, blah. The opposite of kindness is cruelty. This is not a list of just being nice. This is a list of power. This is a list that changes the world. This is the list that flows out of people who are filled with the Spirit. What is flowing out of your life? Because what we are full of is what will flow out of us and impact our home. Hear that again. What we are full of is what will flow out of us and impact our home, impact our car drive. Sometimes you're irritated in the car and you're looking around, there's no one in there to be irritated at and it's just you. <laughs> so you're the problem. <laughs> this isn't to condemn us, but to give us a gauge of where we're at. How do we cultivate households of faith that are led and full of the Holy Spirit? This is for whether you have kids or not. This is whether you're a single person. This is, I don't know what stage of life you are all in, but this applies to every single person who is called to be spirit-filled. And as far as I'm concerned, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus receives his spirit and can be filled with his spirit. Number one, how to cultivate households of faith that are led and full of the Holy Spirit. Pray for discernment. James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. I love this next passage, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Some of you parents are looking at the scripture and saying, for who is able to govern my crazy kids? <laughs> But we need a discerning heart to govern people, to govern our households, to govern our, our, our lives, and to distinguish between right and wrong. And I'm going to even go a step further when it comes to discernment. I like to call it unusual or uncommon wisdom, but I actually believe discernment is not necessarily just the ability to decipher between what is right and wrong. I actually believe discernment goes a step further than that. Supernatural discernment, heaven's discernment, is being able to know the difference between what is right and almost right. Because you see, the enemy is crafty. He's sneaky. He's tricky. He likes to package things our way in ways that look like, oh, it looks like it's good. It sounds good, I think. Like, it's almost like he's really good at tricking us. And it looks almost right, but it's not right. And we need the discernment to be able to know the difference, what is good and what is not, what is of God and what is not. And we need discernment, especially today and age. I mean, there are times I walk past the TV and I hear little comments from the screen and I'm like, wait a second. Like those little comments that are just little seeds that, you know, culture, Hollywood, YouTube, they just throw into their shows to create already a seed of confusion in our kids. We need discernment for such a time as this. 
We need discernment when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our children, what they should be getting into, what the path for their future is going to be. We need discernment when it comes to making financial decisions. We need discernment. I remember when we started our church many years ago and actually still every January, I pray the same prayer, God, give me uncommon wisdom. I remember being 24 or 23 when we first started the church and I remember saying, God, I don't know anything and I don't know anything, period. I just need wisdom. I need uncommon wisdom. And every year I prayed that for a whole month. God, I need wisdom beyond my years. I, now, I'm, now, now I'm within my years, but back then I was beyond my years. Give me wisdom beyond my years. And I could say that God granted me my prayer's request. Number two, live generationally minded live generationally minded we read the scripture earlier before i started the message on how important it is from generation to generation to speak of god's works to speak of his miracles we need to think generationally and the way we live and think generationally is understanding the principle of sowing and reaping and here's the thing, the principle of sowing and reaping, it's not just a church thing. It's biblical, but the world stole it from the word because they always say that saying, what comes around goes around. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. Yeah. Sowing and reaping is so real. And I have to ask you as I have to ask myself, what are we sowing into our families? Because what we sow into them will be reaped by them. Are we sowing faith or are we sowing fear? I don't want my children to inherit my fear. I want them to inherit my faith. I don't want my children to inherit my stressful behavior. I want them to inherit my peace. I don't want my children to inherit a lazy faith. I want them to inherit an on fire faith. I don't want my kids to think that Sunday is just an option. No, I want a spiritual rich heritage that Sunday is non-negotiable. It is the house of God we come to worship, we come to praise, we come together corporately to lift the name of Jesus and to be encouraged by one another. What is the legacy of faith you are leaving for the generations? You got to think about the grandkids. They're coming one day. You got to think about the great grandkids. Think generationally. What you sow, you are reaping. And you might be even looking at me and thinking, man, maybe I blew it. Man, I, I struggle with fear. I'm constantly afraid or I'm constantly stressed or anxious or I don't know what it is maybe that you've been sowing into the family line that, of your life, of your family. But I want to tell you today, if there's something you need to stop right now, the grace of God is for you. All you need to do if you're going in this direction and he's telling you that's not good, repent and go that direction. Today, the buck ends with you. You don't have to continue the legacy of fear, anxiety, sickness, adultery, addiction, it can end with you. All you need to be is like, hey, I refuse to allow this to continue in my family. I'm going to have victory in my family line. I'm going to have healing in my family line. I'm going to have provision and prosperity in my family line. I will not bring this into the future for my children and grandchildren. They will live victorious lives. Think generationally. 
What do you need to intentionally sow into your family that will reap incredible legacy? What choices do you need to make today that will impact the generations of your family line? What do you need to start today? If you're writing, if you have a journal, why don't you write that down? What do I need to start today? What do I need to start sowing today? What do you need to stop today? What, what phrases do you maybe say around the house that you don't even realize are phrases that are part of your family? Like, oh, we're the crazy family. Rebuke that. Yeah. Oh, we're the, we're the poor and unfortunate family. No, you are rich and highly favored. Call the things that are not as though they are. You speak faith. You speak hope into your family. Reverse those words. Don't let your words become curses to your family. Speak blessing. Third point today, pray spirit-led prayers. Romans 8.26 tells us that we often don't know how to pray. And so we rely on the Holy Spirit to help us in how to pray. Look, here's the thing. I often pray, God, help me prayers. Anthony was talking about it last week. They are necessary, especially in a moment where you're about to crash. God, help me. You know what I mean? Like, we need those quick, full of faith, God, help me prayers. But I want to challenge some of you in here today. Can you take a step further, though, and get specific and say, Holy Spirit, can you give me strategy? Can you give me specific? prayers to pray for my different kids because even though same household same parents same set of rules let me tell you each child is different and you'll have to lead them differently and you can't try to lead them the the same way in schools we we try to force children to learn all the same ways but they don't learn all the same ways and so we need heavenly strategy to know how to reach our kids, teach our kids, empower our kids. Let's not get lazy in our asking of God for specific ways to lead and raise our children. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine who was very, very close to us and, you know, was super involved in our church for a few years and, and you know, after some time was just, you know, sh- you know, she fell away. And she was in a relationship and for some reason something on the inside was just like, mm, I don't know, I just... Something doesn't feel right here. I love her so much. And, and the person, for some reason, I met him a few times. And I was just like, oh, why? Something inside doesn't feel right. And long story short, we hadn't talked in a while. And, you know, occasionally, once in a while, like, hey, hope you're doing well. Miss you, miss you too. And, you know, and it was pretty sad because I love this young lady so much. And another friend came over one day and said, oh, guess what? On, in two days, so-and-so is, this is happening. And it's going to be great. It's going to be a party. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And I remember the person left. I remember going to God. It was a life-changing decision. I'm sure you can make an idea of what it is. And I remember praying. I was sitting on my island in my kitchen. I don't live on an island. I would like to, but (laughs) maybe in heaven. Um, Speaking life. Um, I remember being on the island in my kitchen and saying, I don't know what to say now, Lord. I don't know how to pray. And I remember saying, Holy Spirit, help me pray. What, what do I pray? And I kid you not, it was instant. The Holy Spirit said, pray for mercy. I had never prayed that before. 
Like I've literally, I'm being totally, I don't think I've ever remembered praying for mercy before. It's like, pray for mercy. So I remember saying, Holy Spirit, I know she's not in church right now. I know she's not serving you right now. I know blah, 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 blah right now. But if what I'm feeling in my heart about this situation is, is true, please have mercy on her and reveal the truth. I kid you not. Within 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, something happened out of the ordinary that was not a coincidence that revealed the two years of deception that she was under. Like, boom. God's mercy. But you know what's funny? Some of us in situations like that, the religiousness, the ugly religiousness inside of us would be like, well, she didn't deserve the mercy. She's not serving God, so why should God have spared her? That's a religious, ugly Pharisee spirit. And we need to pray mercy even for those we don't agree. Because if they receive the mercy of God, they can know God and change their lives. If we hate the people we're supposed to reach, how the heck are we going to reach them and impact them for Christ? Mercy. Mercy. We need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, how should I pray here? Which leads me to my fourth point. Be merciful. How to have spirit-filled, spirit-led lives. But here's the thing. The Bible says that in Hosea, I forget the, the, the address of where it's at. It literally says, if you have no mercy, don't even bother worshiping me. I don't want your worship if you have no mercy. I don't want your sacrifices if you have no mercy. Why? Because God is merciful. It's who he is and he wants us to be imitators of him. The greatest thing about God is his love, is his mercy. We don't deserve it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. Because that is what God does to us. Hear that again. Mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. How many times do we walk on the street, we see someone who looks different than us? And just because they look different than us and they sin different than us, we think that we're better than them. Man, how many times we look, we're like, oh. You know what? <sighs> to Christians that do that. Because that's ugly and that's not merciful. How about walking past people that maybe look different or maybe broken and instead of <clears throat> with self-righteousness, we look and say, God, have mercy. Help me love them. Help me reach them. Help me not just scoff when I see them, but help me be the bridge that reaches them to Christ. I was in the city this past week with my daughter. It was her birthday. She doesn't like parties really thankful for thank you she's like mom for my birthday this year can we do a show in New York I'm like yes we can yes we can we can do whatever you want no parties hallelujah and so in the city there's a lot of different people a lot of people that maybe wouldn't feel like they would fit into a place like this but they need Jesus just as much as we do and we need to be the love so that they can meet Jesus be merciful Mercy is releasing people from the debt of their shortcomings towards you. This isn't easy, but being merciful allows the Spirit of God to flow through you. Do you know that when you are operating in mercy, when you are flowing in mercy, do you know that's literally the Holy Spirit flowing out of you? You're literally flowing in the Holy Spirit. Whenever you give someone not what they deserve, but what they need, that's you flowing in the Holy Spirit. That's mercy. Words like, I forgive you, is merciful. Why is it that we are kinder to strangers than we are to our own blood? Why is it that we're kinder to the person at Target or ShopRite? Or maybe you're not. If not, get help. But why is it that we're kinder to people that we don't know? 
instead of the very people that God's put in our life for us to love, to nourish, to cherish, and treasure. Sometimes the people who need to hear for I forgive you the most is our family. It's the very people sometimes we withhold our love from and we withhold merciful words from. The person you are tempted to love the least, sometimes perhaps your spouse or a parent or even a child that's been rebellious. Sometimes our kids might go through seasons of rebellion and you might be tempted to withhold mercy and kindness and forgiveness and love for them. Can I tell you that is the moment they need it the most? Being merciful doesn't mean tough conversations don't have to be made. It also doesn't mean you should continue in toxic and abusive relationships. But in some cases, being merciful is simply your heart posture towards someone. Do you wish them well? Or you kind of wish they'll get hit by a bus? Let's be real. I'm just, let's be real. Oh, she said that? Yeah, you were thinking that sometimes. That's the truth. Sometimes we want them to get the flat tire. Sometimes we want for them to get what they have coming. Have you ever wished for someone to get what they deserve? I am in good company. God is still working on us, but we need to grow in mercy. We need to grow in the fact that they need the mercy of God so that they too can experience freedom. And so when they experience freedom, maybe they'll stop cutting you off on the parkway. Just kidding. But the truth is sometimes Mercy is removing an addicted son or daughter from your home and checking them into rehab. Maybe they're angry at you. Maybe they hate you for doing that. Maybe they think that's merciless. Maybe they think you removing them from home and putting them in a rehab center is you not loving them and you getting rid of them. That is not that. That is called mercy. When Jesus tells us to love our enemy, how do we do that? Does it mean go be best friends with your enemy? Go continue an untrusty, untrustworthy, abusive relationship? No. It means pray for mercy for them. It means wish them well, even if it means you need to be far from them. For some of us, mercy in our home needs to look like discipline without shaming. I'm not saying don't discipline. The problem, I think, is there is not enough discipline in the world right now. But the problem with those who discipline sometimes is they discipline them in such a way that they're shaming them. Instead of saying what they did is bad, they're saying that they are bad. They're, they're placing their identity in the same category as their sin. No, 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 no. Your sin is bad, but the sinner is good. The person is good. The person is who Jesus died for. The sin is what we get rid of, not the person. And so often in our discipline, we shame the very people we're called to love, nurture, and raise. Mercy doesn't mean we don't discipline. It means we're able and willing to have conversations or moments of discipline with the intent of restoration, understanding, and repentance instead of shaming and isolating and degrading. Isn't it funny that sometimes who we swore we would never be like is exactly who we become in desperate moments? I will never act like my mom. And then there I am, acting like Zizi. <laughs> there's great things about my mom, but there's some crazy things about my mom too. <laughs> But sometimes, in a not so funny way, we become who we swore we would never become. And before we know it, we're repeating the exact same phrases that were spoken over us. 
And what we vowed we would never say, we wind up saying. And what we vowed we would never do, we wind up doing. And, and the cycle continues. Which leads me to my fifth point, receive mercy. We gotta give mercy, but you might need to receive mercy in here. I don't know about you, especially as a mom, some of the worst moments of my life has been when I felt like I failed my kids, has felt like when I was less than patient or when I was stressed or angry or I was too busy and I put more emphasis perhaps on a job appointment than I was on being present for something that was important to them. And here's the truth. If you're a human, which I'm pretty sure every single one of you are humans, that means we've all have failed. We have all fallen. We've all been flawed. I mean, I don't care who you are. You might think you're the best mom in the world. Maybe you got a card this morning saying, you're the best mom in the world. You failed at some point. I failed. And sometimes as moms, as women, we're the hardest on ourselves because we don't feel like we deserve mercy. We're willing to give it. We'll give it to our kids. We'll give it to whoever. But when it comes for us, time to receive mercy for our shortcomings. When it comes time for us to be able to forgive ourselves for what we didn't know and what we didn't know what to do, when we didn't know any better, when we maybe didn't have help and lack of sleep, all the mamas say, I know what you mean. You know, when those moments when we need to receive mercy, we're the worst when it comes to it. I want to tell you today a spirit-filled life spirit-led life must receive mercy you need to give it but you got to receive it for yourself we've all have failed there's there's been moments where we fail our kids we fail our spouse we fail our friends there's moments where we're less than what we know we should be but I want to tell you that's not a surprise to God you're not a failure to God you failed but you're not a failure his mercies are new every morning. The mercy of God means we don't get what we deserve. It means we get who God is. The mercy of God means we don't get what we deserve, but we do get who He is. And moms, His mercy is for you. Dads, his mercy is for you. Business leaders, school teachers, administrators, finance people, CEOs, entrepreneurs, construction workers, house cleaners, interpreters, whoever you are, I want to tell you, His mercy is for you. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies restore you every morning. His mercy is right here. It's healing you. It's restoring you. Some of you are so angry right now not because of something someone did to you but you're angry because you have unforgiveness towards yourself sometimes our bitterness the way we lash out at people sometimes the way we are has nothing to do with the person that's annoying it has to do with the fact that you haven't forgiven yourself and you lash out and you're angry and they're looking at you like you're crazy but the truth is, you just haven't received mercy for yourself. Receive His mercy when you keep replaying those words or those moments you regret over and over in your head. Receive His mercy when you didn't know what to do. Can you stand to your feet?